Hello and welcome everyone to the Reader Coffee Podcast, the comic podcast about comic books. It is Wednesday, September 15th, I think. Um, I'm not even going to look. I'll just say it's the 15th. My name is Chris and I'm joined by my co-host Daniel. Yes, you guys get a welcome from me too. Welcome everyone to the podcast, the main one today. Hope you guys are doing good. I need to start off with an apology. What is what is this now? I said that uh, it's not cool anymore to tie your sweater around your waist by the sleeves. Yeah. That's isn't that a fact? I was wrong. <laughs> Who's disputing this right now? Uh, Let me go talk to them. Uh, okay, uh, you need to talk to LeBron James then, because oh, right. I saw him do it when he went to go watch a game at the summer league. Uh, I think I know what this is though. When he no, well, he walked in with Russell Westbrook uh, okay. to watch a game, right? Russell Westbrook's pretty fashionable. Yeah, and he just joined the Lakers, so like LeBron has to like show up fashionable too. All right, which he does. I mean, he's kind of older when it comes to NBA players now, right? So. Maybe he's showing his age. Actually, he's maybe the the behind the waist sweater is the dad look at the theme park. But he was wearing shorts, exactly, and a t shirt, and then a behind and the, a long sh- socks. Yeah, uh, no, he was. I don't. I don't know. I didn't see a sock game, but uh, I think he looked pretty cool. I, I'm still disputing that. I'll still be on record saying uh-huh. it's. What I'm saying is it's outdated. It's a 90s look. And he was just but in... trends come back. Space Jam. He's trying to yeah. bring it back, draw up buzz about the 90s thing. A couple of years ago, there was a Drake concert in LA. Was there? Okay. Yeah, I think this is when like Sicko Mode was out. Mm. And he, LeBron went on stage. And I think he was doing the same outfit. He had like a sweater tied around his waist. I'm, I don't know. I think he just likes that sweater. Didn't want to lose it in the hubbub of the concert. I'm just... I also think that it's a passable outfit now again well i i think it's totally fine when you're on center stage at a concert when you're going to denny's i don't think it's a good look <laughs> i i think it's back and i'm i'm I, sorry that i clowned on it a couple weeks ago i'm still i'm standing firm i'm against okay. it well next time you see me i'm gonna have a sweater around my waist i'll see about that i'll i'd sooner bring back the carlton look the sweater over the oh, shoulders okay all right that we're you're that's too far i think it's i think it's a good look now it's like pretentious new york like a, yeah. a hip kid look you know all right i, think. I don't know but you know like basketball players when they go to the game like before they go to the locker room when they arrive at the arena they're like they wear very fashionable clothes they're um showing their drip as they say mm, yeah <laughs> yeah so i think they know what they're talking about <laughs> Also, you're going to go play sports. You're going to play yeah. a game. You don't have to look that good. Well, I mean, when they go to the game, like like they know they're going to be photographed. They know they're going to be on national television. Yeah, what's up with that? People care. like What they're wearing? Yeah. Are there people that just don't care about, you know, fashionable stuff? And- sure. I'm sure there's players that go in whatever clothes, but they're not on camera because no one cares. About them. <laughs> you think like their pl- publicist has to like talk them down. Like you guys have to show out with an awesome outfit as you're going to go out there because you're... No. Superstar for the team? No, I think they want to. It's it's fun. Yeah, R- Russell Westbrook definitely does it. Yeah. Um, in football, Cam Newton used to do it a lot. Oh he yeah. Still does. Like he, wore, I think he wore like a cowboy hat one time. He's, he's got the the Arby's hat. Yeah. It, right. Yeah. So the Pharrell. Yeah. So they're leading like influencers in in fashion. I don't believe that. I think it, they've influenced me. <laughs> It's that thing where, like, I think the musicians have it down. They're obviously the influencers. 
I think every like. Oh, so you're gonna go around with like a spiky mask? Oh yeah, way <laughs> way way sooner than that. I think the <laughs> the musicians all want to be athletes. The athletes all want to be rock star musicians. That's true. Right. That's true. It's the same thing. Yeah. I don't think musicians or fashionable people are looking to the athletes for fashion advice, though. You know, they're not dictating the style. I don't know. I they both have the money to afford obviously fashion, yeah. right? Yeah. So I don't think what you're what you're doing means you can't be fashionable. No. I think I think basketball players, football players, athletes are definitely influencing people through fashion. You think it's hot? They also don't, the clothes don't drape well when they're so tall, you know? It looks awkward. Do you, you want, think so? I think, I definitely think okay. so. I don't know. I, I definitely want a, a suit with shorts. Have you seen that look? Suit with shorts? Like yeah. uh, like it's summer, but you're preppy? Type yeah, of like I've seen the basketball players go to the game, right? And they're wearing like a suit. Like it is a suit and it's like the matching pants, but the pants are shorts. See, see now, I don't yeah. know about that. that. Okay. See, I guess you don't know fashion. I don't know that fashion, no. <laughs> Do they have like knee-high socks with that to be- to boot? It's not knee-high, but it's probably like calf-high. See, half half calf. I'm not into that. Non-fat. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I just needed to get that apology out there because I know I know people listen to this. LeBron himself. Needing to know what to wear. And I'm letting you know now that it's okay to wear that waist sweater. I better be seeing you doing this look. I'm going to do it. Putting your foot down and, yeah. you know. The next time I go to an NBA game and i get getting ready to play. When all the paparazzi are, yeah. are on you with mm-hmm. the cameras. Yeah. When it's a na- if it's just regional, no. But if when it's nationwide coverage, I'll probably do that. I see. Okay. When you're or just when you're courtside. Okay, yeah, I'll do that. All right. Next time I have courtside seats, I'll wear that. Yes. I'll wear anything you want if you give me courtside seats. <laughs> All right. Uh, just enough of that. I've already explained Thank why you. I needed to apologize. Yeah. Uh, but I want you to explain how the rest of the show works. Here at the Reader Copy Podcast, we'll start off with the comic book news. And then we'll talk about a awesome comic book. This time around, we're doing The Fade Out. And then we'll finish up with side stories where we talk about what we've been watching, reading, whatever we've been doing all week. All right. Well, without further ado, let's get into the comic book news. <laughs> This past week, they had, um, I think it's called State of Play. Is that what it is? Or it's like, I think it's PlayStation Showcase. Okay. I don't, they, I don't, can't keep up with their names anymore. All these video game shows or whatever is online. Yeah. Essentially, PlayStation did like a online video presentation of their upcoming slate of video games. Right. Right. And one of the video games that they kind of have exclusively that did very well when it came out a couple of years ago was the Spider Man game. That was a fun one. I yeah. really enjoyed it it gave an awesome feel of you swinging in the city yeah and it felt very true to the comic like sure you got a lot of the spider-man villains but you also got a lot of the peter parker drama oh right the the regular old teenage kind of yeah poor poor peter Peter parker struggling having to deal with mary jane being late to dates and stuff like that that was part of the game right yeah (laughs) And I can't wait to get back into that when they release the sequel to it, Spider-Man 2, and we got our first glimpse during this PlayStation event. Little short teaser for you guys. Um, 
kind of a cinematic shown off Spider-Man Peter Parker, mm -hmm. but also in the mix is Spider-Man Miles Morales. Right. Miles Morales got like uh, a little kind of like mini game that came out in between. Yeah. It's weird. It's not necessarily DLC, not necessarily a full $60 video game, right? Yeah. I, I never get to play it, but I want to because I really like the first Spider-Man so much. Me too. I think it's small, but I think it, they said it improved some things. Yeah. So this little teaser, it's only like a minute or so long, but a lot of uh, information was kind of delivered and we know you'll play as Peter Parker, OG Spider-Man, and as Miles Morales, I think. I think so. And it's fun to see the, that mix of gameplay. I don't know how they're going to decide who you're playing as as part of the story. Mm -hmm. This chapter, you're Miles. This chapter, you're Peter. I think so. You think that's how it is? I think so. Because in the first Spider-Man game, there was like a chapter where you were playing as Mary Jane. Remember that? Right. Yeah. Using her Spider-Man powers. Mm -hmm. Fun. <laughs> So I think I think it'll still be a very linear story and like this part of the story you're playing as Miles, this part you're playing as Peter. Do you think there's any possibility that it's you could alternate in the middle of a game, in the middle of gameplay? Maybe, Maybe you can just switch out or both of you are in the middle of the fight and you kind of just switch who you're bounce. controlling, bounce yeah. characters, you know? Maybe. Like Marvel Alliance. Yeah. I, I totally think there's going to be scenarios where both Spider-Man are like teaming up. So. In the same fight. Yeah. I would definitely think like you could either switch off or like before it starts you choose which one you want to control right and we never got to play um maz's like venom blast yet because we, we haven't played it either mm -hmm. but i want to see if that's really fun right he has a whole different power set than peter parker i think you can go invisible yes right go invisible that's awesome i think the only thing they really share is like web <laughs> can they, can he climb on walls i think he can i think he can yeah and i don't know if he has spider sense i'm not sure either yeah, yeah. he is shorter right i think he's <laughs> Because he's younger. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, what else did we get in the teaser? There was also a voiceover, right? Yeah. In the background. Pretty much alluding to who the main villain is. Um, and I think I know who it is. Because they didn't outright say who it is, but it's pretty obvious. We didn't see his face either. No. It's pretty obvious it's Craven. Yeah. He's talking about looking for like a challenge. Right. An equal. Someone to, to best me, finally. Right. Because he thinks he's the best. Right. And that's kind of we see of his character. We've done Craven's Last Hunt storyline on the podcast. Great story. Awesome read. Kind of a darker story for Spider. Spider-Man mm -hmm. and him looking for, again, a challenge. Um, he doesn't know if he's going to see it in these two Spider-Men. No, but maybe there is a third contender. Right. Um, yes, we will as yeah. we hear Venom's voice come in. Yeah. And then we see Venom kind of appear through the shadows of the alley. And and then the logo for the Spider-Man appears, but it's like the Venom black suit logo style. It's like the white Spider-Man. Right. The the white uh, spider in the middle. Do you think Peter Parker or Miles Morales is going to get the symbiote suit or is it yeah. just that's Venom we're pointing to? I think uh, I think Venom is obviously in it, right? But uh, just like how the first game had a lot of things happen. Going on. I think this game will also have a lot of things going on, a lot of elements. And I think part of it will be the symbiote attaching to... Either Peter or Miles, probably Peter. At some point. And maybe you play as Miles having to fight Peter. Oh, I like that idea. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty great. Question is, are we ever going to be able to play as Venom? Because of the way they presented right, it, yeah. we don't know if he's a good guy or, or if he's on a team or if he's working with Craven. possibly. I don't know. The way he looked, it looked like he was not part of a team. Like he didn't look like he was allies with Peter or Miles. Right. But I think he's kind of like a third party. Like like how uh, like in, in the first Spider-Man game, you're fighting Kingpin, but the overall big bad at the end of the game is not Kingpin. And I 
don't want to necessarily spoil that if you haven't played it. But like Spider-Man has to go up against several different what you would call like a big bad. Right. And I think Craven and Venom would fit that role. Possibly like stepping stones to the real big bad of whatever this game is. Or just like there's they're both the main villain. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. I could see that. I'm curious if we could play as him though. I think that'd be fun. I think he's a bad guy. You think he's a bad guy? Yeah. I want to see us, us playing him because it, it, seem, it just seems like he might be a foe of Craven too, the way he's obviously how he's responding to him, right? Yeah. So I'm, I'm curious if it would be fun to swing as him considering he's like a gorilla almost, how big sure. he is. Yeah. I think, um, have you ever played as him? Did we ever play as him in Spider-Man Web of Shadows? You play as him in Marvel vs. Capcom. Oh, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think actually Spider-Man Web of Shadows might be the Spider-Man game I've played the most. Cause really? I, I replayed it. Because like that's when Venom was like taking over a lot of stuff, right? Right. There's a there's a point that we're going to get into a character that he took over actually Wolverine yeah. at a certain point in the game. That was cool. That was cool to see. Um, I don't know why I replayed it, but I did. Okay. <laughs> it was like years after it came out. I was like, <laughs> okay, might as well play another Spider-Man game. I'm missing that Spider-Man PS2 feel. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, this also alludes to, uh, the trailer alludes to a lot of other villains that you might face. Um, the first shot is like a, a like a street pole. Right. And then that street pole is kind of electrified. So what's his name? Electro is in the first one. So okay, I'm, I'm right. wondering maybe this is a different electric villain and it might be Shocker. Possibly. Um, who they were finding was actually like henchmen, right? Never any big known uh, supervillain. So maybe yeah, they're henchmen of one of those two, maybe Electro or Shocker. Maybe, yeah. But I'm trying, like, what other Spider-Man villains would you want to see in this that maybe didn't appear in the first version? Right. Did we ever get Green Goblin? I know uh, Norman Osborn. Norman Osborn was appeared. In w- appeared, it. but I don't know about his character. Yeah. Uh, Green I mean, Goblin it, is huge for Spider-Man lore. And I wonder if it's going to continue on just like kind of the backstory that in the background still happening, how it was in the first one. And then maybe he He's the the third uh, installment's big villain because like mm. I feel like he is the biggest Spider-Man villain, like obvious arch nemesis. Yeah, he is the Joker to Peter Parker's Batman. True. Okay, and he seems to be like building. Well, he's got an empire already, but yeah. digging into the uh, villainous roles as he's uh, as the story goes on. Mm-hmm. So uh, I'd like to see him now that Miles is there. Maybe we'll get to see Prowler. All right. Yeah. I'm curious if we ever got this. We haven't played the the Miles game. I, I want to play yeah. that now. I still don't have a PS5 yet. I mean, it's on PS4. I know, but don't you want to wait for that experience? Oh, well, I'm not being buying a PS5 anytime soon. Right, that's true. It's gonna be hard to get. It's still marked up by all the resellers. Um, if you want to buy it right now, you probably have to buy it from resellers. So yeah, forget that. Yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah. I don't even want to buy buy it for regular price. <laughs> it's pretty pricey, right? Yeah. Um, there's so many villains that already was in the first one that it's hard to come up with more that will be in the second one. Yeah, there were some I didn't even know were real villains. Like, was his name Tombstone? Tombstone, yeah, he's cool. I didn't know him. Was he? Did he show up in the cartoon at all? In I the think, cartoon, I probably. Think, yeah, I think that's what I remember there. him from. Yeah, yeah. Um, I know in the first one, Miles showed up. He wasn't necessarily Spider-Man yet, but Miles showed up. Do you think we get another character like that in this one that could become a hero later? Um, what else is there? Like Silk or Silk? or Spider-Gwen, maybe? That'd be fun to play with. Are they ever going to get into multiverse stuff? The, your favorite topic. Jeez. It's obviously 
actually tied to Spider-Man. That's huge into him in his uh, story. I hope not, but... Uh. <laughs> what about your second favorite, clones? Oh, clones. Okay, I'm okay with clones. Really? Because Sp- yeah, Spider-Man has to do with clones. <laughs> Freaking uh, Ben Riley, right? Yeah. Do you think we get the Jackal in this or Mysterio? Ooh, Mysterio. I want to see that because it's going to feel like the Scarecrow feel from uh, Batman Arkham right. Asylum, yeah, right? Where he's, cool. he's messing with you. I mean, we already mm-hmm. saw that in uh, Far From Home, right? Yeah. That scary feeling of taking over your whole uh, like experience. It's mm-hmm. terrifying. Yeah. What about other heroes? Do you think other heroes will appear in this? Um, Doctor Strange, right? Is pos- a possibility. You think so? Because um, like the poll you mentioned, it said Greenwich and yeah. uh, his Sanctum Centorum is in Greenwich Village. So yeah. there might be a Easter egg, sure. possibly. Um, and of course, he, we're tying him into the, uh, the next movie. Right. What about, uh, well, we know the second Venom movie is coming do you think it's too soon to bring up carnage i think so what if they may be reserving that for a venom video game oh do you think that could be fun i think that would be pretty fun if like we play as Venom in this game, and then he has his own own game after this. And Carnage is the villain for that. That'd be cool. What if it's not a full game? What if it's like the Miles version? Right. That could work out. I mean, there's maybe not as much content there to draw from, yeah. but a small in-between, big yeah. and small game could work. You know, my favorite villain that we haven't seen yet, I hope, is in this, is Bonesaw. Bonesaw is ready. <laughs> Bonesaw is ready. We're not going anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> i like to see that. Bring him in the game <laughs> his his real arch nemesis the yeah. one pulling all the strings <laughs> um yeah i'm excited for this i really enjoyed the first spider-man game yes uh, honestly i'm waiting for the costumes like the awesome right. cool that was like the best part of the game was uh-huh. you felt so super powered when you had like the new fancy one that you didn't have played yet how many more costumes can they put in this one that one had like hella costumes already yeah and it did like spark like a whole new feel every time you get a new costume. Right. Yeah. You know what I liked when playing that game was there's a costume that is like cell shading. It looks like straight like a drawing. Yeah, I remember that. And I like picking that one because it made the rest of the world look even realer. Made everything pop. Yeah. Of that. <laughs> because you yourself looked fake. The surroundings look like real. Like everything's gleaming, like yeah. the the sides of buildings and all that. Mm-hmm. I agree. I agree. I remember that. Yeah. So I'm really excited for it. Um, no word yet when this comes out, but I'm guessing late, maybe like a year from now. It's actually coming out in a 2023. Oh, okay. So a little more than a year from More now. than a year. Yeah. Uh, I wish they didn't show it yet then. Yeah, just hold <laughs> on to too it. too much. I can't wait more than a year. I think they're... They're pushing it back down the road so that they don't have to push it back later. Um, they're giving them plenty of time. Plenty of time, right. Because I think they're these big companies are tired of disappointing us, right? Pushing yeah. stuff back. Yeah, well, Insomniac didn't disappoint. Mm-hmm. Uh, and they're also making another game. Maybe that's why they're pushing it far back. Because they're not making just one, but they're making a whole other game with it. Right. This one featuring the Wolverine. The Wolverine. Right. Yeah. Logan himself. Logan Paul. Logan <laughs> Paul. This has an even shorter trailer it's tiny yeah Yeah. so i mean it's almost like why even show this but like uh it's pretty much just a bar scene right we see logan taking a sip of a drink in the Mm -hmm. bar and it's like a biker bar right Mm -hmm. and uh, arriving there is uh, someone trying to attack him with a knife but logan stops him with his claws apparently yeah everyone there is beat up already when the scene starts so it's like very cliche wolverine but it works it's got my attention for sure wolverine is he's not wearing you know x-men costume he's wearing like a flannel shirt flannel shirt and his uh, classic 
classic cowboy hat. Mm-hmm. So I think this is like one of those like loner stories that we're getting. Sure. Um, there's a little bit of Easter eggs around. I noticed there's like a a lot of Japanese lanterns hanging. Oh. So I think that is like an Easter egg for like maybe it's time in Japan. So I think part of the game will maybe take place in Japan. I saw that. I saw one Easter egg was a license plate that said HLK 181. So Hulk 181, uh-huh. his first appearance. Nice. I wonder if you face Hulk in this. Oh, that'd be kind of fun. That'd be cool. Finally seeing those two characters on on a video game screen together. Yeah. Uh, there was a Wolverine video game for the movie. Oh, yeah. Like it was a tie-in, but really had nothing to do with the movie. As far as the story. As far as the story. Like it was the same by character alone. And then like what you did in the game was totally not what you did in the movie. Yes. Like in the game, you wore the yellow costume. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. I remember we just got that like for like a month on Gamefly just to play it once. Yeah. And we're done. That game is very good. Really? It's like the best video game based off a movie that's not really based off of me. <laughs> I don't know. Have you ever played the SpongeBob games? <laughs> but that game was so fun uh, because it's like a button masher, right? Right. But you could do this thing where you literally like launch yourself, Wolverine, with your claws forward into like an enemy. And it's just like, it's repetitive, but never unsatisfying. Like it just felt good every time you just killed somebody in that game. It's like a berserker lunge, right? Yeah. I remember that. I think it's similar to Spongebob. Spider-Man swinging. Like if you're going to play as a Wolverine, you want that awesome berserker lunge leap, right? Yeah. That's what you're looking for. Um, Spider uh, Wolverine has almost as much of a backstory as Spider-Man. Oh, yeah. You can get a whole bunch of enemies, a whole bunch of different settings that he's in. Um, I really think this would be like a game where... His his past is haunting him. Maybe kind of like the death of Wolverine comic book, All where right. like we have to revisit a lot of his past and and maybe relive a lot of famous Wolverine moments. You think it's gonna span his whole life, not just this one singular one-off solo mission? Yeah, I think the the in present time the game is like you know one mission and whatever mm-hmm. same modern time, but there's gonna be a lot of flashbacks to be like, oh, it's bringing him back to when he was part of the Weapon X program, right? And maybe you have to play a sequence of that timeline. Maybe him in the war, even right. right yeah, as a soldier, uh, maybe his brother is there, right? Mm-hmm. Sabretooth. Maybe Captain America's there. Captain America's there. That'd be pretty fun. Yeah, we could finally do that. Mm-hmm. Um, like you said, the Japan stuff would be cool if we fight some ninjas or samurais somewhere right. in there in the mix. It's pretty much the game from the the game I was talking about, the old Wolverine. Really? Because like, was it that, his whole life? It was his whole life, but he went everywhere around the world, and like he fought every kind of thing. Like you fought sentinels, you oh. fought ninjas, and it's just like everything Wolverine in one package. And I, I hope, though that game was very repetitive, like I kind of liked it. So I hope this game has those elements in, in it. You wanted to draw all the same similarities and at the least, fun stuff. Yeah, at least the scenarios. Like I want to fight a sentinel in one level and then fight like a ninja in another level. Okay. All right. Well, question is, do you want any of the X-Men to show up or is that going to feel out of place? Like any X-Men or Brotherhood of Evil Mutants to I think- give them a tough? Mystique, maybe? I think, obviously, Sabretooth is in it. Okay. It'd be pretty dumb to make a Wolverine game without Sabretooth, I think. Um, But I don't think I want any other 
there are like X-Men in it. Really? Okay. I mean, like he's uh, kind of entangled with Mystique somewhat in their past. Kinda, yeah. Maybe they go to Madripoor, right? He hangs oh, out there. Oh, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. What if, uh, this is in the cartoon, so maybe not so much from the comics, but like Morph, he like, he's like best friends with Morph. Really? Yeah. I still don't get Morph, like his whole attitude, like. He can shapeshift. He's just like Mystique. But yeah, but his like attitude is like, uh, he's like spastic, right? Like he's like he was, so crazy because he's like transforming to whatever and being a character. He's like. He's like Jim Carrey. Yeah. Oh yeah. Like a Jay Leno or something. <laughs> What? I, th- I think so. Um, I, spoiler alert for the animated series, which yes. is from the 90s. Uh, the first couple episodes, like the first six episodes, was um, based off of the Night of the Sentinels. Mm-hmm. So, like, they had to fight the Sentinels. And it was a trap, so they are trying to escape. And uh, Morph appears to get hit and Wolverine's going back to save him but the rest of the X-Men are like there's no time right so like I think like Rogue has to like knock him out with her powers Wolverine yeah and like get him back and then he wakes up and he realizes they left Morph right right and he's walking out and Scott Cyclops is like Wolverine we had no choice and then while he's talking Wolverine just walks up and knocks him out <laughs> How can he reach him? Is he super short? He punches him in the gut. Oh, awesome. Body pull. Yeah. So like, and then he like leaves for like, because he's pissed off at the X-Men. Right. Maybe that's where this game starts. Right after that. (laughs) (laughs) If like the game starts out with that 90s cartoon animation. Where he's like laying in bed. Just laying in bed. (laughs) Looking at a picture of (laughs) of Morph. Of Morph. (laughs) Uh, yeah, he goes on all these like solo missions, right? <laughs> so I think that's what we're catching ourselves in the middle of this. I'm wondering if he is a X-Men uh, participant, you know, teammate right now. I think it's... On his own. I guess he's it's, it's maybe a little after he's been with the X-Men already and he's on his own. Um, would you be mad if this is kind of the same plot of the movie Logan? Maybe he finds out he was being cloned and he goes to like stop it and he runs into X-23. Mm, that story storyline always you know feels like the end of Wolverine's storyline yeah so I think that's not what they're gonna go with if they could possibly get a number two out of this like Spider-Man yeah I mean they don't have to kill him at the end yeah but I'm saying like save the X-23 stuff for later that's something that really you know makes him mad okay I thought they were gonna save Miles in Spider-Man he was in the first one I, yeah, I don't know they're, they're, <laughs> they're going for a different mark with that like a whole sure. different feel I think it makes sense to rush that a bit we've got a lot of Spider-Man already and we need to mix things up a bit so having a second Spider-Man works to make the mm. the, the game spark some joy right yeah well i do really like wolverine too as a character just because like he has such a a very diverse past yeah so i hope we get to see a lot of that in the game i think the story that we've seen so much of him is the striker storyline do you think we're gonna yeah. get that again or yes is, we're done with that no we'll get it because there's no, nothing else to tell <laughs> we're gonna get the, the i guarantee you we're gonna get flashbacks of when he gets the adamantium operation and he's got the vr headset on his face yeah and he breaks out naked like yeah right yeah. okay the camera's gonna be to you yeah. behind so we don't ever get his crotch <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah i get that's definitely in the game okay yeah yeah do they say when this game's being released yet not yet because I, like I, okay. I think there's there's a it's lot probably even further than spider-man 2 oh yeah they barely released anything dang it okay <laughs> 
You're excited about this one more. Which one are you excited about more? Spider-Man 2 or this? I will say probably Spider-Man 2 because of Venom. Really? I'm a huge Venom fan. So if if I knew Spider-Man 2 was not going to have Venom, I'd be more excited for Wolverine. But because of Venom, I and because I know I really like the Spider-Man game, I'm very excited for the sequel. Okay. Okay. What about you? I think I'm more excited about the Spider-Man game just because I know that's going to be good already just because they have something to build off of already. Mm-hmm. And the feeling of swinging, it's so exciting. Exciting. I I should finally just get the Miles Morales game just because uh, something new. Yeah, I think you should get it. Yeah, why not? Get it on disc. Get it on disc? Yeah. Yeah, why not? So that way I can play it out. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to finish the game, 100% it, and then I'm going to crack the disc. <laughs> Uh, all right, you we might want to save any Spider-Man stuff because apparently they're worth a lot of money. Right. Apparently, uh, one of the famous Spider-Man comic books sold for a whole lot. Yes. It is now the most expensive comic book ever sold. That's right. Amazing Fantasy number 15, first appearance of Spider-Man, sold for $3 million. Yes. It's actually $3.6 million. Oh, wow. Which is, I don't know why they rounded down. In the title? In the title. Yeah. But when, you, when I looked it up, it was 3.6. So that's damn near four million dollars 3.6 million how many like brand new spider-man comics can you, you could probably buy a million like if a spider-man comic book right now costs like four dollars right so you could buy a million comic books. Two million. <laughs> <laughs> um everyone knows this cover it's yes. like one of the most famous covers of all time it's the spider-man swinging and he's like got a guy that he's saving and he's holding him by like the waist yes and it's not even like it's the first appearance of spider-man but it's not even a spider-man title it's a Amazing fantasy still. Well, I think he didn't have a title yet. Exactly, yeah. Right? They, none of the Marvel comics... I don't even think this is Marvel yet, right? Like it was something else first? I think it was. I think it was Marvel already at this point. Okay. Well, like, what was the first Amazing Fantasy? Was it Thor? I don't think so. I think that's uh, Strange Tales or something. Strange... Like okay, yeah. Yeah. All right. Amazing well, Fantasy, like these titles are not a character yet. Mm-hmm. They're still just throwing ideas out there. They're, this is the pilot. Like, Yeah. Like each one of these are their own story. Like they're right. all... It's like yeah. a, an episode, like a, you know... Whatever sells a lot, they'll just make that into a title absolutely yeah and did they think this would sell for 3.6 million dollars i i don't think so if they did they would have maybe drawn a better cover i think this guy overpaid because on the cover it says 12 cents (laughs) (laughs) Uh, how dumb of a joke is that (laughs) i bet like all these like uh cgc that's the grading company Mm -hmm. when all these like sellers and buyers probably hear that joke nonstop. I, I can't even believe that there's this old of a comic that is a 9.6 grade. Right. That's why it sold so much. It's damn near perfect right. quality. That means near mint quality, 9.6. Um, the only thing is off-white pages. Yeah, which obviously, of course, it's from 1962. Yes. But do you think it is deserving of a 9.6 grade? I'm looking at the photo that they have, and it's like a pretty like high-res photo. It like there's I don't see any creases. I don't see any folding of the spine or anything like that. It's very straight edges still. Like just from the photo that I could see of the cover, yeah, the only thing is it's the pages have turned a little yellow. Right. The white spots are a bit yellow, but all the other colors are a bit muted too, right? And I know you can't you have to be kind of maybe loose with it because it's such an old comic, but it, it does feel like there was some degrading here in time. It doesn't deserve a nine point six. You think so? Because like think so. even if it was like little like other comics that are like in the fives still sell for a lot of money because they're so old. Yes. Yeah. So to get a 9.6 in itself is like an amazing fantasy. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm saying. I don't think they should exist anymore. I think they don't exist anymore. And I think this is probably like a 9.0. 
it with my wow. expert wow. opinion wow. under the microscope. That's how much you're taking away from this guy. Well, maybe. <laughs> I'll, I'll just say um, there was a same exact issue. Yes. But a 9.4, meaning the next level down. And it sold for 795000 So three about $3 million less. Yeah. So a 0.2 difference is $3 million. I mean, yeah, if you're if this is a grading scale, you want the top top thing, top billing, right? Top options. So if this was you said like you you would grade it a nine? I think so. I, you're, but then you're it, pretty much downing it to like ten dollars. No. That's uh, how much you just hate this guy that bought it. Yeah, okay. The it's three point six million dollars. Uh the next most expensively sold was DC's action comics number one, of course, first appearance of Superman. Sold for three point two five million. Yeah. Now that's when they sold, but that was previously sold a while back and of course inflation brings it up do you think that that superman is worth more now than than what this spider-man is worth because that's how much they paid but that was before like maybe the value has gone up right we don't have the year offhand when that happened but i'm willing to bet just even like a couple of years inflation could make the difference and i think it is worth more action the action comics mm-hmm. I just want to say Spider-Man is better than Superman. The character himself? Yeah. And but he's, he's also worth more. He's earlier. Yeah, that's true. Right. But obviously the movies have affected comic book resale. Right. Yes. And Spider-Man movies are better than Superman movies. <laughs> They're definitely more popular. Yeah. They sell more. Yeah. More ticket sales. Mm-hmm. So I, I believe that. Um, I guess worth more is just what is someone willing to pay for it, right? Yeah. I wonder. What do you think it would go for? You think it would go for 3.6, this Superman? Uh. Uh, depending on the grade, do you think it's a six nine point six? That's right. We don't have the grade offhand. I think it. I think it's not nine point six. I think it's honestly worse, and it's still sold for that much. Yeah. I wonder if anybody has a nine point six of the first Batman. My mm-hmm. guess that would outsell Spider Man. I'm surprised that anything this old is around like nine point six or like nine point four. How do you even like come about that? Like you'd have to seal it in a safe like the day it was printed and wait like whatever this is. Right. years later I mean so some things they do is they like re-iron comics at a certain point if they get wrinkly mm-hmm. do you think these ones are like 9.6 ever went through that process to be I want to say no because that that could ruin it too right that could you could you're very much risking it getting damaged I don't think I don't know and I think like CGC which is the grading company they're um, depending on how expensive the book is their rate is actually like a percentage of the value do you think that's uh... so this probably costs like 100 grand to just grade Something like that. Jeez. Does it happen at the time of the sale? No, it's at the time of the grading. So it can be way beforehand. Yeah. yeah. Because imagine how much you're pretty much like handling the constitution at this point. Like you could (laughs) blow on it and it would fall apart. That's that's why Nick Cage got broke Mm because he's a gigantic comic book fan. Did you know that? Yeah. We talked about that, right? You think he bought it? I think he stole it. (laughs) (laughs) There's a map on the back of this Spider-Man. Did you know that? That's so good. Oh, man. Uh, do you have any expensive comic books that you own? you think? What's the most expensive one that you have in your possession? I mean... I think you I have think one that's worth more than $100, probably, right? I have a Guardians number one for the, um, the uh, you know, Dan Abnett, Jamie Lan, any Lanning okay. storyline right before the movies came out. Mm-hmm. I got uh, Sandman number eight, I believe, with, with a first... No, four. Whichever one is First Prince of Death. Oh, that's pretty big. Yeah. I but I, four. I only bought that for like 20 bucks. 
bucks. I don't think it's great quality. Like, mm-hmm. and it, it wasn't graded. Yeah, yeah. I don't think I have anything like that expensive. Yeah, like I have stuff you have, signed. You have stuff signed, so that's yeah. But they're not like I don't have like a certificate saying that this person really signed. I just I just know that they signed it. But I don't have like a uh, you know at CGC when they have it like sign graded, like they have a witness with you. I don't have anything like that. Those are super hard to get done at conventions. Yeah, because you feel like a jerk. The way it works is you have to go to their booth, say like I'm gonna go get my comic signed. Can you follow me? Yeah, and and watch this person sign it so that I can get a seal. Yeah, and to get that done, you have to be in line for a while to be in line for the person signing. Mm-hmm. So you have to ask someone to hold your place too. And then so there's a whole process. I've to get seen this it done. happen, and the CGC guy waiting with him in line just looks super bored and annoyed because he's waiting in line for nothing. He's not getting a signature. He's just there to watch someone else get a signature. True, but it's a, I think it's a job, right? Yeah, it's, it's at sure. work. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I have Infinity Gauntlet number one signed by Jim Starling, which I don't think it's that super rare though. Sure. So it's probably, and like, I don't have proof that he signed it. Like I took a picture with him, but I don't have like a certificate or a witness. So I would say maybe it's worth like 40 bucks. Maybe. It depends on the time too, the the release of movies. Yeah. If Thanos is going to be in a movies coming up somehow. Yeah. Um, that will boost it. Right. That, cause mm-hmm. That's why he was at a convention. It was Infinity War was coming out, right? Mm-hmm. And he was signing as an actor because he's in that movie. Oh, really? He's in, he's in Endgame. <laughs> he's in Endgame. So he was actually appearing as an actor, not a comic book creator. You're like, oh, you wrote this? <laughs> um, I also have first appearance of She Venom. Oh, okay. Yeah. When was that? In the 90s. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure exactly when. Was it signed at all? No. Okay. That That's, I think, worth, I don't know, 50 bucks maybe. It was a cool find. It was worth 50 bucks maybe when Venom came out, but now it's probably worth less. <laughs> <laughs> well, Venom 2 is coming out. Maybe it's up. Yeah. Maybe, maybe I'll go get, get rid of it now. You go sell it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, with this CGC stuff, um, it was auctioned off by this company, Heritage Auctions. Mm-hmm. Did you know they've been in kind of hot water with yeah. the gaming companies? Yeah. Um, there was this uh, other grading company but it's for games Wada Gaming and there was some collusion possibly going on with Wada Gaming and Heritage Auctions I heard they're driving up auction bids right I think like one of the founders or you know top guys at Heritage Auctions was in the pool of people that bought uh, was it like Super Mario 64 64 for uh, like so much money Mm -hmm. just to bring the value up for other people to sell to get a buzz about it yeah because (laughs) they get a cut right because they're selling it at their auction house. Well, just also like everyone is surprised to see something go for this much. Right. I'm going to jump into that market, mm-hmm. you know, and it did spark something. It's like Pokemon cards. Yeah. But do you think it's also with comic books? Do you think this is what's going on with this Spider-Man? It's $3.6 million. Exactly. It's a lot of dough to just like say, oh, it's worth as much so other people will sell theirs. It's Campbell. It's uh. do you think that that happened at all? I mean, maybe he just put down the 0.6 million, like, like nothing. And then someone else bought it for the three i don't know it's fishy but, because of how much it is but i mean like if the first appearance of superman could sell for just a little less than that yeah i believe spider-man would sell for more at a 9.6 that it's a separate grading company than the auction company so i, I they look, have no say in it i'd look it up 
I didn't make sure like CGC is not related to WADA at mm -hmm. all. Yeah. I didn't find anything, but I mean, I hope CGC is not mixed in with this because I have some <laughs> some graded comics too. I don't want those. Grading in general is kind of a racket. Right. Like I, I, don't, I want graded stuff, but I don't want to send my stuff to get graded. Because it's like extra fee on the side and it's just, it's really for sellers and buyers to establish what quality graded is. Yeah. Right. Um, it doesn't make any inherent value to the comic itself. No. It looks cool when it's all sealed up and stuff and ready for display. Yes. But the whole process is kind of not worth it. I think so too. And also to make it worth it, you have to do like a lot. Yeah. So I don't know if it's... And no matter what you send, when you get it back, that grade is like, you don't get to decide... Like, they don't tell you what they're grading it. You just get it back already graded. So, like, maybe I'm sending this, I'm expecting a nine. You come back and it's a seven. Like, that, that's it. You can't be like, never mind, don't grade it. They, you get it graded and they send it back. Absolutely. I mean, you could crack the case and regrade it again. You just wasted hell of money and time then. What's the odds that it's going to go back for, yeah. for more? I have some things that I think would get like a nine or nine, four, six, maybe. Yeah. But I just know they're not worth a lot. So, what's the point of getting it graded? <laughs> I don't know. I, I've I've questioned if I ever want to do my Sandman one issue, mm -hmm. but uh, I also I also just want to display it in something cool, and that's an option too. That's way cheaper. What do you think you would get for that Sandman? Like an eight something? I think um, you know it, it does. The insides do have kind of faded images, mm, sticky. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, like a, <laughs> no it has white pages 6.9 sticky pages <laughs> <laughs> so dumb <laughs> you love that one all right like an 8.5 maybe okay yeah i i wouldn't get subgraded i'm not spending 3.6 million on a <laughs> spider-man comic book i do have a dream of one day just like going to like a garage sale and finding like a, a grail comic that would be like the best day right yeah. <laughs> i see like those on like youtube because i'll randomly watch small youtubers talk about comic books mm -hmm. and they'll say the story but they go to a garage sale don't believe it, they huh? find a suitcase of all these uh nicely kept comics they're not great but they look amazing i'm like i don't know about this yeah, this is just some guy that. making a video yeah. yeah i was cleaning up my grandfather's addict right and he had superman number one <laughs> I, I traveled to this person that was selling craigslist and they had all this they didn't know what they had yeah yeah i don't know yeah all right well if you have a comic book really old maybe go check out how much it's worth right maybe you have a, a charizard somewhere that's worth a lot <laughs> And uh, if you have time and you find out your comic book is worth a lot, uh, give us a shout out by subscribing to the Reader Copy Podcast and maybe telling your friends about us. Totally. You know, review us on Apple Podcasts. That helps a bunch. Review us over there. Find us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, all the social medias. Maybe send us links about like people that sold their comics for a crazy amount of money. That'd be super fun to read about. Um, find us at the Reader Copy Podcast. Yep. Definitely check us out there. And uh, let's dive into our comic book this week. Talking about like old times we're going oh, yeah. back into old hollywood with the fade out yeah see it's the 1940s in hollywood see you gotta talk like this all the time you see yes both <laughs> only both <laughs> uh they're doing the fade out 
And I really like this book because it does, it takes place in like old time Hollywood. Old Hollywood, right? That um, really awesome feel, mm-hmm. but kind of behind the scenes feel of, of Hollywood. Very noir. It's like LA Confidential. Do you know that movie? LA Confidential. I think I do. Is that starring um, Jack Nicholson? No. Uh, I'm thinking about a totally different movie. No, you're thinking about Batman. Oh, I see. <laughs> Who's in LA Confidential? Russell Crowe and um, what's her name? Uh, from Batman. <laughs> Kim Basinger. Oh, Kim Basinger. Yeah. Okay. Never seen it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but it's set in the 40s, old-timey Hollywood, noir. I really, like, some of my favorite comic books are mystery comic books. Right. Just because you just really have no idea what's going on. Yeah. And it just, the way the writing is, of course, is a mystery. It keeps making me want to continue reading. Keep reading. Yeah. Yeah. Who, who done it? So, yeah, exactly. It's a whodunit story. Right. My favorite books that we've done, a couple of them, uh, even though it's kind of cartoony, but Black Sad. No, that was great. Like, yeah. It kind of told such human stories with uh, these animals. Cats. Yeah. <laughs> this fade out is almost like Black Sad, only with people. Pretty pretty close, yeah. yeah. I really liked a uh, more, more modern mystery was um, Stumptown. Oh, right. Starring Colby Smulder. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe not the show, but I like the book. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and then this one I chose is by Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips. We know this duo. They've done so much work together, and it's always something really good. Um, what we've done in the past was uh, Killer be killed that, that was great that yeah was a good book interesting book uh, i think i read like a it's like a weekend comic book where it was like a comic book convention that was really great mm-hmm. by them too yeah they've done work um some like criminal they did together right yeah i've always considered us doing that yeah incognito then, yeah and fatal was like one of their more recent ones also i've given that a read a chance yeah pretty good read so if you want to learn more about them check out our episode of killer be killed talk all about them in the, in the beginning of the story definitely um but you know this is like a great team already i'll just talk about more about where they got the idea to do this book oh interesting okay um ed brubaker eisner award winner ed brubaker yeah after doing uh some comics with sean phillips he wanted to do either this which is like a noir old-time story or a sci-fi story oh something totally different right? yeah and he thought to himself, the noir one's not going to sell as good. So it's going to be harder to get that made, right? Okay. He wanted to do it because I think he had like an uncle that was a screenwriter. Back in old Hollywood. Back in old Hollywood, which right. is like what the main character is in this story. Right, right. Movie writer. Yeah. And then he had an aunt who I think was the wife, was like a studio publicity rep. Oh, interesting. Who is also a character in this book. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Behind the like movie studio and yeah. like people in the industry. Mm-hmm. Interesting. And if you remember, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips had signed a five-year deal with Image Comics. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I we never talked that. about this in the Killer Be Killed uh, episode. Okay. But their deal was like, they don't have to pitch to them. Whatever story you want to make, just make it. That's a crazy deal, right? Because they're so good. They don't need to be pitched or screened or whatever. It's just like, we know what you're going to do is top notch. You wouldn't put your name on it unless it was quality work. So just tell us what you want to make and we'll make it for you. An interesting part of that deal is that they're also tied together for five years. Yeah. I guess they must like each other, be friends. I mean, because mm-hmm. whether you work together or not, you still have to hang out with them for right. a lot a lot of interaction with them. Yeah. So that gave him the opportunity to do this, uh-huh. even though he felt like it wasn't going to sell as good as like a sci-fi story, maybe. Sure. He was like, but I can do whatever I want, so I'm going to do this. Okay. Yeah. I think I'd also like he was surprised that it sold so much. Yeah. Right? 
In fact, in the early issues of the book, because what we're doing today is the first, it's like the first four or five issues. It's called Act One. Right. Meaning there's a lot more after, right? I think there's 12 issues total. Yeah, 12 issues. So we're doing probably the first four. Mm -hmm. Uh, Before the first four was even done, he was getting studio offers to adapt it to a film already. I mean, Hollywood loves Hollywood, so it makes sense. Exactly, yeah. And honestly, I think it would make a great movie. I think so. I mean, uh, even maybe a series possibly, because there's a cliffhanger. Right, right for the, the who done it yeah. part. He declined all the offers. Really? And he declined it because in the past he's accepted these deals and they've turned his work into movies while he's writing them. And he says it affects his writing because now he's visualizing it as a movie or a, a TV show. And now he's not just thinking as a comic book. And it may be, I don't know, he's he's writing it because he wants to see it in on screen already. Right. Yeah. So people don't really think about that that much. Some people might assume they just want their comic to be turned into screen to mm-hmm. TV or movies. But honestly, the main work is the comic book, right? Right, yeah. Some stuff tells better on panel in page. Exactly. Yeah. It's like the pacing of it. Mm-hmm. So he definitely didn't want to be influenced in his writing. So he said, not until the whole story is done, am I going to sell the rights for a adaptation? Good on him then. I mean, yeah. he probably could have gotten more before he was all done. Um, maybe. I don't know. I, don't I still know. would love to see this as a movie. <laughs> Do it now. It's all done. <laughs> yeah. Uh, again, this takes place old Hollywood. Think, uh, like Clark Gable, like he's a character in this book. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> so those era of film, like really the, the early obsession of, of movies. Right. Like movie studio companies were becoming to be these like gigantic yeah. companies that make money. Right. So there's really, you know, there's money to be there. So to make there. Yeah. If you've seen, um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Oh, sure. Okay. Maybe a little it's bit. It's kind of like that, but even before that. Yes. Yeah. Right. So it's still the same idea, uh, but this one is a murder mystery involving characters in Hollywood that are currently actually making a movie. Interesting. Okay. Everyone kind of works at a studio, Marvel uh, movie studio. Yeah, on Marvel Studios. Marvel Studios. <laughs> That's the future. Everyone will be working at Marvel Studios in the future. <laughs> Uh, our main character is Charlie Parrish. He is a screenwriter for this movie that's that's being made right now, right? Mm-hmm. But uh, the whole like scenario is this murder, right? Right. So he wakes up after like a night of Hollywood partying. Night on the town. He's you know waking up hungover to hell. Yeah. Right. He's so hungover. He doesn't know where he is when he wakes up. He's in a bathtub in an apartment that he doesn't even recognize. Right. Get a headache going on. Trying just groaning, trying to get up. Um, can cannot remember last night at all it was all a blackout yep what he does remember is getting a call saying like hey you need to go pick up gill gill and we are introduced now to this character gill in like a flashback sequence gill is kind of like an ex-screenwriter mm. now the story with gill is because of like the war that's going on right now in the 1940s right he has been blacklisted actually and this was a real thing that happened in real life the right. hollywood blacklist they were supposedly communist sympathizers in, right. the, in the hollywood sphere of things exactly so you do not want to be associated with these people at all if you care about your career right right yeah it's like getting canceled today right exactly yeah. right it's like you're stealing jokes that too <laughs> 
So this guy, Gil, who's the ex-screenwriter, was like former friends with Charlie, right? And now this guy has become like this drunk guy, this Gil guy. Like in a drunk stupor. And he's been also on Night on the Town. So he's got kicked out of this bar and Charlie's trying to pick him up in the alleyway because they don't want him in the middle of the bar. Right. He doesn't want to be seen with this guy. Definitely. This guy's blacklisted. And Gil is like yelling at him like, why did you come pick me up? Like, I don't even want to see your face. I don't ever need your help. They're arguing with each other. It does not look like they're friends even in the past, right? Uh, yeah. The the bouncer of the bar is like, well, you just get your friend and get out of here. Yeah. And Charlie's like, I'm just doing the guy's wife a favor picking him up here, right? I, mm-hmm. I don't care about him at all. Right. So that's all he remembers of that night. Uh, he did come from like a Hollywood Hills party, right? So a lot of like shoulder rubbing with celebrities. The elites of yeah. the celebrities at the time. He's probably drinking a lot, maybe doing drugs. So that's why he doesn't remember everything that's going on, right? It was a night to remember, okay? Let me yeah. tell you that. It was like hedonistic type big night, mm-hmm. almost like a Greek Gatsby type party. Yeah. Right? So he has like flashes of this, but he doesn't remember what's going on. He remembers though hanging out with like the new leading lady actress of Hollywood. The starlet. Yeah. I think her name was like Valeria Somers. Yeah. And he remembers she was at the party, right? And then he's looking at the mirror. He's in the bathroom now at the apartment that he doesn't even recognize. And he's remember he sees lipstick, like a lip print on the mirror. All right. And this is what reminds him of Valeria because it's like the same lipstick. So he's uh, walking around the apartment in kind of like a panic now. He makes his way to the living room to find a dead body, the dead body of of Val Summers. Yeah, this is her. It's just, it's like if Scarlett Johansson, you were in her apartment and she was dead. <laughs> Again, you're waking up from like a hangover, yeah. not in the town. This does not look great for Charlie. Yeah, he doesn't want to be like caught here, right? So he grabs a rag and he's like wiping everything he touched. He's like, I got to get out of here, right? This is going to ruin me if someone sees me here, like at a crime scene of, of a murder scene. Absolutely. Yeah, so he, he's got this rag. He's wiping the lipstick off the mirror. He's wiping the door handle and he leaves he he's going back to like the the studio it's almost like what is this like 5 a.m in the morning now pretty early but i mean some people are making their way to work already in the in the movie studio right and so he's just trying to get over there just to continue on with his day mm-hmm. trying to act like everything's normal right he just is like napping on the couch in his office right yeah right. uh, this is like an old like i don't know paramount studios or something right but it's called victory street pictures awesome yeah <laughs> it seems very old hollywood the MGMs of the time, right? right yeah. There you go. Uh, we see another character. Her name is Dottie. She is like the publicity person of the studio. She like puts out the you know good word of the movies that they're making to promote them. Right. Kind of is control of the looks of all their uh, actors and actresses. Right. Mm-hmm. Like they're what people are talking about them in the in the news. Right. Um, she goes into Charlie's office, and again, he is still kind of like hungover. He's laying on his couch in his office, like drooling. And he's still kind of like dreaming of the night before, like the party. And he's trying to like put together what happened. But he's like so hungover that he sees like shapes and faces, but he can't recognize them. Like they're blank faces almost. It was just a a blackout in his head, right? He can't remember anybody. And Dottie is there to wake him up. She's just like, I can smell the alcohol on your breath. How much did you drink last night? And then she breaks the news to him. Like, did you hear? Uh, Val is dead. And he has to pretend like he's shocked. Right. He's the one acting in this moment. Yeah. 
He's like, what? <laughs> and uh, the news of their starlet being dead, you know, shakes up the whole studio. They can't work on this day. They're in the middle of making the movie that she's a star of, mm. right? And they're on set now. And the the leading actor, his name is Earl Rath. He's like the Hollywood, like, he's like John Hamm. Sure. <laughs> you probably look like John Hamm, yeah. right? Just the class. John Hamm is timeless. <laughs> Just the dashing lead actor of the time, you know, right. the, the the studio's real main actor. And he's on set, right? Uh, and then the the director is like, the studio hired like this German artsy director. Right. His name's Franz. Yeah. He came to like do this movie for them, but they're kind of like unhappy with him, right? Right. They're angry. Like he's taken so long to get this job done, mm-hmm. right? To get the movie made. And he even wants to like continue on with work. Yeah. Even though the actress is dead. Yeah. He's like, but um, Earl is like, we can't continue. You can't do this, you bastard. And yeah. he's like, show some respect. Right. Exactly. Yeah. And the guy's like, we'll just shoot around her for now. Right. And he's pissed off. The Earl Rath guy is pissed off the main. And so now there's a whole bunch of drama going on with the movie production itself. Right. Everything is going to go to a halt for, for at least the day because of mm-hmm. the news. So meanwhile, Dottie tells Charlie, Charlie's the screenwriter of the movie, like, hey, uh, head of security wants to talk to you. He's talking to everybody about the the murder, the, the, the Val's death. Right? Yes. So he goes in and he, Charlie's like sweating, right? He's like, D- do they know that I was there? Sweating bullets. Yeah. I, I, what do I say? I have to act like, act natural, right? So uh, he goes into the meeting with the head of security and the head of security is pretty much just saying like, hey, I know you're at the party that she was at. Do you remember anything? Right. And this is an intimidating guy, like a like a Brock Lesnar looking dude. <laughs> he looks like Brock Lesnar. <laughs> he's smoking a cigar this entire time, and he's he's trying to kind of wrap things up. Like, don't even mention that Val was at the party. Yeah, right. Just say there was a party. Val just didn't show up for some reason. This guy is like a fixer kind of guy. Okay, yeah. He's like making sure the studio doesn't look bad, sweeping things under the rug kind of guy. Absolutely, the head of security. And he's actually going to go talk to the cops yeah. and, you know, get their story straight because he has some conference too that kind of, kind of brushes under the rug. Yeah. yeah. And as he's leaving, he's like, uh, just, uh, just try not to say anything to the police or the reporters or whatever. Just play along and just, uh, don't even mention her suicide. And then this is when Charlie's like, oh, suicide? What the hell's going on? Right. right. The whole studio is like kind of putting this under the wraps. Right. Especially the security guy. And as Charlie's like left alone in the office, he kind of like quickly looks at the security guards like uh, photos and evidence. Mm-hmm. And there's a photo of Val, but not how he left her. Val is now like hung up on the door frame by the neck, like she committed suicide. Right. But we know that she was not like that. I think we can assume it was the the police at the time did this for for head of security like a favor, right? Yeah. And this kind of puts Charlie in this kind of daze, like I can't believe what's going on right now. What mm-hmm. I experienced and. I love what they do with the panels here. They have him drawn in color, but behind him are like shots of the movie they filmed in like scribbled, like black and white. Yeah, like he's going through his memories. And it's just... I thought it was great, like this little quick vignette of him, like just taking a, a drink and kind of in a daze, like, what the heck is my life right now? Right, yeah. He remembers a little bit of the party where he was talking to Val. And though Val is like this big Hollywood starlet, right? She still talked to Charlie like a normal person. Right. And it's almost like maybe there was a thing there. Really? Yeah. But like Charlie doesn't remember anything. It's just he remembers like she was kind to me and, and she wasn't like, you know, fake about it. And again, he doesn't know the, 
end of the night. Right. Something might have happened. Maybe Charlie was the one that did something that he doesn't yeah, know about. Blacked out. We don't even know the audience. Yeah. So he's worried about what did I do? Who knows that I was there? Everything, right? And this is old Hollywood. Like if we have any problems, you're drinking. Like you're doing, mm-hmm. <laughs> there's like smoke and drinking. It's those days. Yeah. You have a drink with breakfast. Right. <laughs> with your eggs in the morning. <laughs> and then he goes back to his office to continue writing, right? And we realize here as a reader that also like hungover and knocked out on his floor of his office is Gil, the other ex-writer. Gil, again, the guy that was blacklisted earlier, mm-hmm. uh, is apparently still chummy with Charlie. Yeah, just out in public, they have to do this formality of pretending like they hate each other because Gil is blacklisted. But in closed doors, they're still kind of like a partner duo. Right, still screenwriting together. So um, they have to put up this front for, for the, the public. Yeah. So he's telling him like like what's going on with Val and like her death and all this. And then Gil is still like drunk. He's like in the book, this guy's always drunk. Perpetually drinking. And then Charlie pulls out the rag out of his pocket that he used to wipe down the apartment. And then when he looks closer at it, it's not a rag. It's actually Val's black panties. And then Gil sees it and he's like, what is going on? (laughs) And Charlie has to kind of just explain the whole scenario about uh, her death and how the studio is even covering it up. Yeah. And just kind of laying it out there in the middle of his room. He can kind of tell Gil because no one's going to believe Gil. Definitely. Right. And they they kind of, you know, they have secrets of their own together. Exactly. Yeah. Like they shouldn't even be working together, Mm -hmm. but they are. So he's like the only person he could really tell, even though he doesn't fully like trust Gil necessarily. No. Again, he's a drunk yeah so a couple weeks have passed now we're at val's funeral and it's a small intimate funeral everyone working on the movie was there but it's almost like they're just there for formalities like they almost don't care that their leading actress is dead they just want to get on with making the movie get to the movie yeah i mean charlie sees people tearing up a bit but he's wondering like who he was who's really crying here Mm -hmm. like the studio head the guy that owns the studios there but like he kind of just like throws leaves or roses at the grave and then leaves like he's just there for appearances for show right yeah in the middle of the funeral going on though he something catches his eye apparently gil is trying to hide behind uh, a tombstone trying to get a peek at the funeral so he confronts kills like why are you here you, like you shouldn't be here and you know you're like you're risking a lot appearing here right and he's even drunk and it's, yeah, it's still drunk it's day out right now yeah and then uh, Gil's like, don't worry, no one saw me. And then Charlie's like, I saw you. Like, you're you're an idiot, right? He's like, Gil is all strung up about this too. Like, he, he can't stand these studio people that pushed him aside and mm-hmm. also what they did to Val. Yeah. So he feels like a victim also of right. the system. And like, this play takes place in the 40s. So Charlie has just come back from actually serving in the war. And he says since he's gotten back from the war, he's had like almost like a writer's block. He can't write. Right. And Gil, on the other hand, can write, but he's blacklisted. Apparently, you know, there was some talk about Gil's name already in the news and Gil even told Charlie, like, give my name up and we can have the secret deal. Well, I'll do the writing and you'll be there for appearances and we'll be like a writing duo behind the doors. Yeah. And that way we can both still work. Right. Get paid. Yeah. Um, and that's the reason why Gil is kind of like always drunk because like he can't be out there working. So he has to work like behind the scenes and it's, he's like depressed. Right. This is kind of a, cr- I can't believe this happened. Like Hollywood yeah. blacklisting. Well, this still happens probably. I guess here. <laughs> so meanwhile, uh, they're watching the movie that 
that they've done so far. And it's the director, Charlie, the writer, and like the studio head guy, right? This guy's like, I don't want to say Harvey Weinstein, sure. but Harvey Weinstein. That role, yeah. right? I don't know. it. Honestly, I don't know anybody else in that role, but yeah. like the head of the studio. But honestly, too, like in the book, oh, he's also doing Harvey Weinstein stuff. Yeah. So it, I, that's the closest analogy. It's yeah. almost like the originator of yeah. Hollywood, you know. Yeah. Yeah. So he's definitely using his power right yes yes they're watching what has already been filmed and they know this person had just died the lead but they're talking about her like she's just they need to replace her right uh, they're looking at the shots of the movie and they're admiring the shots and how this was beautiful yeah but they're like ah man we have to replace this waste. Yeah. yeah like it's like they like the film more than the person yeah they don't care like that a person died they care that now they can't use this great footage that they have right and so the sticky situation they're in the the lead uh, of the studio says uh, I'll give you two weeks to the director to reshoot everything pretty much make the whole film again yeah and it's like that can never be done but they're gonna do it anyways right meanwhile Charlie when he goes back to his office to like continue writing he's still like getting like memories of Val and some of the memories are when she like visited him in the office and was like they're like talking about the movie and how like this is kind of a bad movie like the dialogue is bad or whatever but the guy Charlie just like we know it's bad but it's gonna make money we don't care sure yes Val wants to be in a great movie right Charlie's like just make a movie and you'll be a star. It doesn't really right. have to be a great movie. And they're kind of kind of chumming it up in their woes, exactly. right? And they're becoming like friends, even though they're maybe part of different worlds. Right. right. Behind the camera, in front of the camera. She's a celebrity. He's like a nobody. But they kind of relate and have like a little bond going on. Absolutely. So he feels, that's why he feels super guilty that she's dead and he doesn't <laughs> know how, right? Right. And of course, he saw the body too. So it's traumatic there. So it's like a couple days later, they're trying to figure out who to replace her with and it's like the head of security and the studio head and the security guy's like do you want to sit in during the casting or whatever and he's like no just pick like the prettiest face kind of thing right oh geez okay yeah that's how it was back then like it doesn't matter pretty face yeah gets sales gets the role yeah and they hire this person her name is maya right and she is now there she's with her talent agent this is like her ari gold and <laughs> this is the sleaziest like I think this lady's character in the book. Yeah, yeah. Um, her like uh, agent, right? And he's uh, taking a smoke of a cigarette and just like, trust me, doll, you got the role. Don't worry yeah. about it. Even though she's seeing this like line of people of of actors going up for the role, right? He's being like this really schmoozy Hollywood mm-hmm. guy. He knows that she's a pretty face, right? And that's what the studio wants because he's really he's like their type. Right? Yes, yes. So he's like, just say the lines. You got the job, right? But she definitely feels and she. Knows knows she was their second choice right i mean there was even a uh the casting call it was the two of them in the room maya and val in the room but val beat her out and right. i guess she is actually the name of this issue is the replacement blonde i thought <laughs> that literally was literally what she is that's kind of like ooh. <laughs> so she's there now she kind of knows the game mm-hmm. you know what i mean mm-hmm. like she knows she's being hired because she's a pretty face and she might have to do things off screen to get the role she wants right, right. and this comic kind of digs into that a bit about like the horrible stuff the starlets had to go through behind the curtains right to, to get the roles it shows like the dark side of ho- old hollywood definitely right. exactly now that sleazy guy i think his name is like greaves Ugh. right yeah he goes to the office of the security guard right 
because they kind of have like a little partnership going on. Mm-hmm. And he goes and he's like, "Hey, uh, I need to talk to you." And then the security guy's like, "Wait, we're we're I'm in the middle of something. We're not decent." And it's because he's taking one of the girls that was like auditioning. Yes, and he's having relations with her. Right, right, in a closet somewhere in the back of the studio. Um, and the security is kind of mad, but is like, "Okay, I have to deal deal with business, doll. Yeah. Once you go about your way." And she's kind of like, "So did I get the role?" <laughs> he's like, it, "We'll call you." Like, you gotta think like the security's like, "Yeah, she she could be the replacement. We're still eyeing things out." Yeah, here, even but... though they know they hired someone already. Yes. Yeah. So this Brock Lesnar looking guy, right? <laughs> the security, yeah. <laughs> it's talking to Greaves, the talent, sleazy talent agent guy. Wait, wait, this sleazy guy has a pencil thin mustache. If that adds anything. <laughs> And he's saying, like, uh, our problem is back. And he's like, I thought you dealt with this. I thought you paid this guy off. And he's like, yeah, but, like, he's still around. So could you take care of it now? <laughs> like, I, I don't know how to do this besides, like, trying to pay him off. All right. So Brock Lesnar is going to go kick some ass. <laughs> we see what this problem is exactly. Once uh, Maya makes her way back home, it's revealed that the problem was her ex-husband, Armando. Armando. Uh, this guy's like Benicio Del Toro looking guy. Sure. Okay. Okay. I, maybe Javier Bardem, you think? Maybe. Yeah. But he's like, this is the ex-husband of Maya, Maya the new replacement blonde. But he was pretty much paid off by the studio to like leave and like just disappear. Because they don't want a Hollywood Scarlet who's already married. Oh, I see. To kind of get they that, can't that look. They sell that. Yeah. Ah, you right. have to be single and attainable. Right. And this Armando guy, he's apparently also a drunk. So there's oh, like... Everybody drinks. Everybody. Yeah. Um, but Maya's especially angry at him because it's like he got paid to leave and kind of... She keeps saying like, you sold me. Yeah. Right? It's like this... Awful Even scenario. she wants to be a Hollywood starlet, right? Right, but it's still like this relationship is ruined forever and she just wants him out of the picture. Yeah, so she kicks him out of the house. Like, you left me, you took the money instead, so I don't want you anyway. Get out of here. And as she kicks him out of the house, he is then knocked out by the Brock Lesnar guy. <laughs> Head of security. <laughs> Big punch to the face and even two goons in the back to, to wrangle him up and get him out of the picture. And this head of security is like, you don't have to worry about this anymore, doll. I'm just yeah. go about your day. Again, he's head of security, but his real main job is to like problem solve right. for the studio. It's like the gangster type of way to do things. Exactly, yeah. Now, it looks like Maya's doing like an awesome job with the acting. Like all the scenes that she shot already have been been great with Earl and shooting this thing. So the Dottie has like a, a night at the town kind of show her off to, to the news, right? right? To make like a like a studio party. Remember to, her job is to like publicize the studio in the movie. Absolutely. So the whole studio has this party set up for, for this night. Yeah. And they come up with this plan, right? So like uh, that everyone's going to go to this party. Even even Charlie, the writer, is going to show up to this party. Absolutely. Everyone's invited. Be, it's really designed to promote the movie, but it looks like a party. Yeah. So Charlie is actually going to go with the lead actor. Like they're in a car together. Yeah. Earl. Earl. Uh, Earl Rath. Right. Uh, remember, this guy is like the Hollywood guy, right? Right, right. So they're going to the party, but he's like, uh, I got to stop by my buddy's house first because I'm buying something from him. So they go to like this out of nowhere apartment condo. And the guy that opens up is like this cigar smoking kind of short old guy. He looks like um, Detective Bullock from Batman. <laughs> okay. Yeah. You know? 
and it's weird that um to charlie that this earl guy is friends with this weird looking old guy yeah sleazy looking dude it turns out this old guy is like a photographer right and what his main sales are like risque yeah. pictures of of women right this was not easy to get back then <laughs> right like, there was no internet this was technically illegal back then i think oh really yeah. wow so black market yeah so he's selling him like it's like almost like artwork like framed photograph of scantily naked women okay yeah so this is what uh earl is visiting this guy for is these, these pictures uh, it's surprising to see like the the lead actors like into this type of thing. Like he's buying it for five hundred dollars. Wow, which is like that's a lot of money. <laughs> oh, back then especially. <laughs> yeah, back then. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Charlie just being in this situation, he feels really awkward already, right? <laughs> but then he's looking through the guy's like framed artwork and photos that he's taken, mm-hmm. and he sees like like Humphrey Bogart is in these pictures, and it's like he's at these Hollywood parties the taking elite. photos, and it's very uh, like candid, intimate settings that you wouldn't have paparazzi in. Right. Okay. Um, he's taking a look at all these pictures and one face kind of jumps out of him and he's like, who is this guy? I don't recognize him. And he asks the dudes and they can't necessarily say who he is. They think this guy, Ronnie Reagan. Yeah. And he's like, no, not him. The guy next to him. Because the, the guy in the main picture is Ronald Reagan. Oh, the actor, right? The actor slash president. <laughs> But he's like, no, not him. The guy like behind him. And it's like this, like not a celebrity guy, right? Really like a regular looking guy. Yeah. Also has glasses on, but not not an actor or anything. Right. He's saying like, I just recognize that face. And he's having like kind of memories of the party. And maybe that guy was there. Mm. And he's saying like, okay, uh, I don't know who this guy is, but we got to go to the party that Dottie's throwing now. Right. And Dottie has invited Charlie there almost like a date. Right. Her words were, um, it's a date, right? Yeah. And he's questioning his mind, is this a date or not? Was it just a saying? Yeah. Like, oh, like, I'll see you there or like, we'll go together there. He doesn't know, right? Because he doesn't see Dottie that way, but he doesn't know if Dottie wants it to be that way. Sees it that way for him. Yeah. Okay. So they go to the party, but before the party, Dottie has come up with this plan for for Maya, the replacement blonde, (laughs) to be on a date with like a young heartthrob guy Zach Efron right yeah. of the, of the Harry time Harry Styles right of course <laughs> the younger a younger heartthrob actor right yeah and like the word on the town is this this guy he's kind of he's not really a man it seems like like his his ex like talked bad about him right yeah and so they're like pairing them up to show a different side of things yeah they even set up this fake scenario where like a drunk guy would hit on Maya and like this new heartthrob guy would knock him out in front of like a crowd of people at the bar the whole party yeah so he does that so then of course all the paparazzi swarm and take pictures so they leave like they leave their date and go straight to the party that Dottie's throwing but they kind of go because they know the paparazzi's like following them like they're not they're not trying to lose the paparazzi all right so the, all the paparazzi will go to that party and now that's the party to be at and it's kind of promoting the studio free publicity almost exactly all that it was like set up the whole like knocking out the drunk guy them being on a date it's just promote them all together honestly a pretty good idea from Dottie there yeah so now Charlie's at the party he's actually like schmoozing it up with like some celebrities that he knows one of them is, is Clark Gable Clark Gable <laughs> wow uh, I don't really know Clark Gable have you seen any of his movies I just I don't. I know he's like Gone with the Wind guy. Oh, I've never seen that. I've never seen it. I'm not gonna watch it. I heard it's not. I heard it's kind of racist. So oh, I don't, right. don't want to watch it. I heard that too. 
Um, but he's obviously a name everyone knows of old yeah, Hollywood. Yeah, he's a big Hollywood star. Um, and Charlie knows all these guys because like he writes for them. But it's not like they're like friends necessarily. You know what I mean? Right. Like he knows them because he worked with them, and they say hi to each other and hang out at the party. But he knows I'm not at that level. I'm not a star. He's not an elite either. Even if no. it's just a screenwriter, right? Yeah. So he he even feels weird being at this party. So he he like leaves a party. You know, goes out on his own, drinks by himself outside and who arrives but actually Maya to say hello and uh, is like oh so you don't really like me do you yeah and the reason he, she thinks that is because she doesn't really talk to her and I think he doesn't talk to her because the last person that was like Maya that he got close with uh, ended up dead right Val it's <laughs> yeah. kind of kind of the same look and uh, type of person and also it's just awkward it's in his gut he feels it every time like I don't really want to chum it up yeah right but I think like Maya also doesn't like like this, the holiday Hollywood atmosphere so she's hanging out with Charlie and she's saying like okay come on we're gonna go inside and dance right so he's kind of drunk but he's not gonna turn her down so he goes inside mm. and now they're seen dancing on the dance floor and the next shot is like Dottie like crying in the bathroom <laughs> see I knew it wasn't a date you idiot yeah. she's just crying her mascara is like totally running down her face <laughs> uh, I feel so bad for Dottie she did all this stuff tonight and lost her date <laughs> And Charlie, like, leaves the party, right? And he just continues on drinking. He goes to a bar on his own. And he still can't shake the face of that guy in the photo. Like, right. he knows him from somewhere. Some uh, conversation at the night kind of sparks in his memory. And apparently, uh, Earl knows that guy's face and knows his his past. Apparently, he was uh, a known, like, person that would give up people for the blacklist. Right. And, like, mention to the FBI, this guy is part of the the communist party be yeah. weary of him he wasn't like he was on set supposedly as a producer mm -hmm. but he was there really just looking for commies he's like he's like a plant right exactly yeah so he was like he's like a snitch right right so he remembers that that he was at the party with val uh -huh. that night she died he remembers he was there so there's some kind of connection there, right? So he remembers, like, I got to find out more about this guy. I'm going to go back to that photographer guy where I saw his picture and ask him maybe he knows him. So he's, like, rushing back to that place. And he's, like, you know, almost fall down drunk, but he's trying to make it to that guy's house. And once he finally makes it, he sees a gigantic fire going on in this guy's house. It's, like, all up in smoke, just ruins. It's burnt down. Like, that guy, there's no way he's alive and there's no way any of his photos are still safe like, all the all evidence burnt down yeah and he looks around like there's a crowd of people standing outside this fire right mm -hmm. he sees in a car off to the distance that guy <laughs> that guy's in a car taking pictures of the whole scene and charlie's in like a panic like i need to go talk to him and see what what the story is he's like fighting his way through the crowd and by the time he gets out of the crowd that car is gone the guy is gone so uh that's where we're leaving it kind of charlie not knowing what's going on who the heck is that guy how is he really to Val. Mm -hmm. So it's the end of Act One. That's like kind of what this trade is called, Act One. Mm -hmm. The mystery is not solved yet. No. But the thread is being pulled. <laughs> I like it. I like it. Who, let me ask you a question. Who done it? <laughs> <laughs> I, I love these stories. Uh, I really like this one because like they have so many characters in it, but each character has like uh, like a point to them. They're not just there to fill in a story. They're there because they play a specific role to the story. Absolutely. Also, it's like old Hollywood, something we kind of all know. So they fit in a stereotype of the yeah. position and it kind of helps with the storytelling, mm -hmm. which I'm fine with. Like it's it does add to it, actually. Yeah. There's a lot more backstory to it that we kind of glazed over a little bit, but sure. it definitely goes more in depth in the book 
Like, there's a little bit, a couple of pages about the backstory for the head of the studio and how he came to Hollywood. He came, like, as a young guy just selling film to theaters. Right. And he went all the way up to, like, now the head of a studio. Like, made himself, like, made man, right? Yeah. So, uh, it's definitely a cool book, and it definitely has a lot of, like, the, like, you were talking about the old Hollywood cliches. Yeah. But they, like, work for it. It's fine. I yeah. think it works great. Because it's just overall telling the story. I still don't know who really is who did it. I'm wondering if Charlie, your main character, is the one that did it, or you think he just got drunk and did it? Possibly. Um, but now there's like this whole like FBI snitch involved, right? Do you think maybe Val was possibly a communist sympathizer for real? Maybe. And maybe got, the studio knew and they got rid of her. Oh, maybe Something like that. Maybe it could like spell trouble for the studio later on, so they mm-hmm. just put this whole scenario up. Yeah. What about the sleazy talent agent? I like that guy. <laughs> I wonder if he like worked for Val also and was like maybe chosen one over the other somehow mm-hmm. or I don't know and like even his like frenemy relationship with Gil I you know what he's acting so weird Gil mm-hmm. I'm wondering if he has something to do if he was like for some reason Val was in love with him at a certain point Who because knows, yeah I mean I don't know if she was into like all like the super elite actors and was right. kind of more to the other type of behind the scene type of dude I also really like how they have real people in the book oh like clark gable is there for a couple scenes and looking through the photos like there's actually recognizable people in the photos yeah like like ronald reagan i didn't pick that up the yeah. first time around oh, yeah yeah ronald reagan is in the book <laughs> as an actor was he an actor at that time yeah that, i guess it lines up yeah. yeah wow so it's really cool i it's only 12 more or 12 issues so there's only eight more books yeah i kind of want to just breeze through all of them i think so too i think i can't breeze through it though because like it's kind of a a lot of characters thrown in there mm-hmm. and kind of i'm not saying intricate but maybe hard to pick up if you're just breezing through it there's also flashbacks too yeah that you kind of they don't want to reveal too much so like you kind of don't know when takes place when that too right absolutely and he everyone's drunk so also this our main guy's like kind of in a daze the whole time yeah which adds it's fun for the experience kind of hard to pick up the story but i love it yeah it's very good i I would recommend it absolutely i do want to see this on screen some some way oh really so i it's really cool yeah the the glitz and glamour of old hollywood is fun to see too mm-hmm. let's go watch la confidential all right <laughs> is that just this movie it is coming uh once again that was uh the fade out ed brubaker and sean phillips never disappoint uh yeah it was very good i agreed cool let's get into side stories so I don't really have anything for side stories this week because actually what's going on in my life is I'm getting a new job. So I'm kind of uh, transferring to a new position coming up soon. Mm, janitor. Right. Uh, uh, promotion here. <laughs> promotion. <laughs> so what's happening is I'm trying to set up my old company to make sure everything's all squared away with that. So I'm kind of like pushing past work hours to get, get stuff done. Can't really, really watch a lot of stuff and read comics. Uh, so. No, just burn that bridge. Yeah. Just sever that tie. Don't even work for the next two weeks. <laughs> go Go on vacation. I, I had a job that I, I didn't really care about, right? Mm-hmm. It's not like a serious job. Like I was like a, a banquet server. Oh, right. I remember this. So like you're busing tables, you're serving dishes. Uh, I put in my two weeks because so I didn't want to work there anymore. And on my last day, I called it sick. Did they yell at you at all? Or What are they going to do? Like, you're not it was my sick. last day and I'm not going back there anymore. 
I think uh, other people have done worse. This one of my coworkers that did leave for another job was like gone for like a week and took up that Just whole. Just left. Well, used his vacation hours oh, for that. Yeah. And I think he like screwed over. So I'm not trying to be that guy. Okay. All right. Yeah. Maybe that's just a, a thing I'm doing. But I'm excited about that. I'm going to talk about that. I'll re- review that. Let you guys know if it's <laughs> interest line story next week. For next week. But to let you know that's why I don't really have a lot of. Uh, yeah. So. Okay. Um, I watched a movie on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I have the same old job. So I have time. Gotcha. Uh, it's I really like this actress, Mary Elizabeth Winstead. Mm-hmm. I almost said Mary Kate and Ashley. But Mary Elizabeth Winstead, she was in Birds of Prey. She was in Cloverfield Lane. Yeah, the second one. She was in Scott Pilgrim. Right. Uh, I really like her, and I think she should be in more things. Um, but I think she just doesn't. I, I I don't know her personally, but I don't think she plays the Hollywood game. Oh, you know what I mean? You I, know what I mean by that? Politics. In, yeah, like, like Hollywood politics. Like, uh, yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, she doesn't like schmooze, schmooze it, up. it up. Right. Yeah. I'm not saying more popular actresses and actors do that. Sure. Or get roles they don't deserve, or are not as good of an actress as she is. But I just think she's a good actress and deserves more opportunities. And you're surprised that she's not getting more. I'm surprised, yeah. Interesting. Because I think she's pretty good in most of the things she's in. I agree. I really like her. Um, maybe Birds of Prey was maybe not her best thing, but Scott Pilgrim, she was really fun in that. Yeah, and I think in Cloverfield Lane, she's like the star of that movie, and she is uh, mostly in every scene. I think she knocks it out of the park. I agree, yeah. Her her role was, her acting was impressive in that. Yeah. And like the, the fear and everything going on. She has a new movie on Netflix that I watch called Kate. Right. And the pre- premise is kind of like birds of prey she's a killer assassin and she goes on this mission um the mission kind of like backfires and people go out to her for revenge and now she has like this limited time to kill the person that is after her right i was watching it too i was with their with their two but i was kind of half paying attention to be honest yeah uh, i don't want to spoil too much because it i think it just came out this past week sure not even a week old yet so i'll say like the setting is japan and really cool the looks of stuff the looks of stuff i agree i can't i i when we were watching it i asked you does japan really look like this or is this like aesthetic done for the movie because it looked like blade runner yeah like there's always like in the middle of the night there's projection lights on buildings all the time i don't i do know some places are very uh there's a lot of lights in japan but i don't think they look like that it it looked like even in like the dingy short dark alleys there's like neon lights everywhere right with like the teals and the purples yeah yeah and this is in the trailer but she hijacks a car and that car is like kitted out Fast and Furious, too fast, too furious. Agreed. That era. Yeah. Oh, right. Like lights under the car, lights all in the car. Decals on the yeah. side and everything. Yeah. It's like bubblegum car. Right. Very stylized. Um, what do you think of the action? Action's pretty good. I don't know if I liked it. it. It's evocative of like this new wave of action, starting with John Wick. Right. Agreed. But like um, Atomic Blonde. It's like even, even Daredevil. Sure. These long action sequences with no cuts, or they try to make it look like there's no cuts, and it's like very close combat but with guns also and they try to do that with with this movie i don't know if i i thought it may be subpar compared to those other movies you mentioned john wick and atomic blonde mm-hmm. i think it was noticeable yeah this looks a little bit more stylized some some places sure yeah. like there's a sequence in the movie where she fights some a group of, of guys like yakuza looking guys mm-hmm. in like what would be like a geisha house 
Okay. And it's very like the house and everything in the house is styled like very monochrome, like black and white only. I remember and that. Grays. But she is like all covered in blood and, and rough. So it's like she stands out in place of like the setting. So it looks very stylized. It almost looks like uh, Scott Pilgrim. Somewhat. I think they were like maybe hearkening back to um, someone in the middle of all these uh, Yakuza members attacking, kind of like Kill Bill type of style. Sure, yeah. Right. So that's someone it's kind of aligning to. But I think like sometimes she's doing part of the stunts not all of them mm-hmm. I think when it's her doing it it's kind of like she needed a bit more practice or just more guidance from the stunt person mm-hmm. I thought it was noticeable but I think her acting is still pretty good it's kind of unbelievable as far as the as far as like how is she still alive in most of the stuff yeah but I mean it's a movie you're supposed to kind of escape reality mm-hmm. um, but it might be too much unbelievable right uh, and then like the whole like plot and twist maybe like it's too I figured it out in the first scene. <laughs> Before they even like set everything up, you're like, okay. Okay. So we, I see what's coming. We know what's going on here. Yeah. But that doesn't take away from the action. Mm. So I think the action is still pretty cool and the setting is still pretty cool. I thought the setting was pretty cool. You don't really see that dingy Japan all the time. Yeah. Um. I th- I'm not 100% sure, but I th- this might be by the same people that made Extract, the Chris Hemsworth movie that's set in India. Oh, all right. Uh, maybe they have like a Netflix deal. Maybe. I'm not sure. But how do you feel about like these movies? Seems like Asia's really hot right now. Like Shang-Chi, Snake Eyes, Crazy Rich Asians. Right. Now this set in Japan with a very large Asian cast. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think it's um, exploitive or do you think it's inspiring? This one, I don't think it's necessarily inspiring because all the Asian people are kind of, most of them are enemies in this movie. That's true. Right. Uh, and that's kind of a stereotype Asians have been fighting for a while now is the super villain Asian dude, apparently. I didn't know that was a thing, but like people brought that up recently with like Mortal Kombat. I mean... But that guy, even the hero's Asian too, right? Yeah. Honestly, he's not Asian. He's from another realm. <laughs> he's like, not from Asia. <laughs> oh, like so <laughs> He's from the nether realm. He's netherian. He's from the Netherlands, so he's definitely not Asian? <laughs> yeah, he's definitely not Asian. <laughs> Some of the things are inspiring, right? The things that are kind of getting the most attention, like Shang-Chi or Crazy Rich Asians. But the stuff that does seem to be lower quality, I don't know if it is inspiring. It's maybe just trying to ride this train, right? Like Snake Eyes. But do you think Hollywood is more accepting of Asian actors now? I think so too. That That's true too, because it sounds like um, they're really finding some footing. Mm-hmm. Your Aquafinas of the world, your Steven <laughs> Yeuns. You know what I think really helped? What? Uh, Parasite. Oh, yeah, of course. Yeah, yeah. that's got to help. It won the Oscar, right? It won the Oscar, and that director won Best Director. And I think it was just like, oh, people want to see great movies. They don't care necessarily what race the cast is. Yeah. So when Parasite came out, and that was made in Korea, and it's all Asian actors, it's just as long as the story is good, which that was a very interesting, intriguing story, people will go watch it. And especially when the Academy is willing to give it Best Picture, even more people went to go watch it. True. Do you think it deserved Beck's picture? Was it the best movie that year? I don't remember what other movies came out. Was that the but Joker was, year? Shoot. If it was the Joker year, I'd pick Joker. <laughs> <laughs> right. I think it was the year before Joker, though. I, there was something else that had some real competition. Like, people were questioning, oh, is Parasite going to win? The to- I thought it was Joker. Maybe it was. The uh, Maybe. Okay. Todd Phillips, who directed Joker, I think was also nominated, but didn't win. And uh, Boon Jong-ho won? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, oh. I think I remember now. Yeah. Joker was good, but... Like what everyone says, it was kind of copying something. It was kind of copying those two other movies. 
Do you take away from that because it's kind of copying? Yeah. But what if it's so good? Then, it, it, you know, that's that's like something to consider too. If it's just so good that it, it overshadows think, th- those facts, then I think it, it would agree. But I think Joker I was that so good, good that it, though maybe it took elements from like... Taxi Driver. Taxi Driver. King of Comedy. King of Comedy. That stuff. It is its own thing in as far as like how it was made. Like the quality of the movie and the story is still very good. I guess so. It can't... Just just cop and like uh, steal from the quality of those movies and bring it to this movie, right? Yeah. Starting from scratch in that aspect. For, for me on a personal level, it does take away from it a bit, but okay. uh, I don't know if Parasite was better either. So I don't know. Mm. Did you like Parasite that much? Do you think it did do so much for Asians? I think uh, an American audience did not expect Parasite. Like that story gets so weird that it's just shocking to a mainstream American audience. Uh, like it's almost like a horror comedy drama agreed yeah so that there's nothing like that almost in hollywood because it's kind of a risk to make a movie like that and studios don't want to risk anything anymore they only want to make movies that already is established or has known ip like the joker maybe that's telling of the time then maybe we have made movies like that in the past but it's just now we have to go to other countries sure. for that but it was it was really good i, I know courageous makes awesome movies like the darker movies are mm. amazing old boy is great mm-hmm. um i still there's like one like devil one that I want to watch I've never seen but it's kind of I started it and I was like this is too much for me right now Mm -hmm. I didn't want to watch it Yeah, so I think definitely like Korean filmmakers are opening the door for all Asian creators and actors in Hollywood. Okay, Bri- bridging yeah. the gap a bit. Yeah, so that the Mary Elizabeth Winsteads of the world can get movies. On Netflix. On Netflix. Get, get Netflix deals. <laughs> um, but yeah, so if you haven't seen Kate, which is the movie I was talking about. Forgot. Uh, I'd say check it out. Don't expect John Wick or something like that. Yeah. Level of action. I was hoping for that. Yeah, some parts are kind of cool, but yeah. not, yeah, and. And the story is very like I could see this coming a mile away. Uh, Woody Harrelson is in it, right? Yeah, so he's a character. Mm-hmm. He's uh, kind of Bruce Willing it. Oh, mailing it in. Yeah, he's, a bit. he's kind of only in a handful of scenes. A little bit, yeah. So he's definitely like just getting a paycheck. Well, I, you know, I didn't watch Shang Chi a third time. I mentioned that. <laughs> yeah. Which did you like more, watching it the second time or the third time? <laughs> the third time, actually. Yeah. <laughs> So you're keeping Asian Hollywood alive. All right, right. It's a one-man job. <laughs> um, also, I'll, I'll say this. This is the first week of the NFL 2021 season, and uh, I'm liking my team so far. Who's your team? Well, I'm supporting the San Francisco 49ers. They won, but I'm also mainly talking about my fantasy football team. <laughs> fantasy football team. I've ta- asked you this before. Do they ever like give them superpowers in the fantasy league, like, you know, like potions or something like that to add into it? That sounds like a fun idea just play on the name fantasy football i'm trying to see if we get bonus points for anything right like things like that like we, style points we do ppr full ppr full ppr what is full point per reception so just catching the ball gives you a point so it's I kind see. of like magic <laughs> okay okay yeah it would be funny if there's like a dice part of, an element of it and like there's I guess you can't decide where they go. It's mm-hmm. kind of the coach's job to do that, right? Could you imagine, like, for my first pick, I draft a mage? <laughs> That's super fun. <laughs> you know what you should have in your fantasy league? Like, a dungeon master that's, like, oh telling God. a story okay. with the characters mm-hmm. on the board. Right. That would be so fun. You don't know anything about fantasy. <laughs> All right, you sure you don't have anything else you want to talk about? Nothing really, no. All right, yeah. Um, Guys, if you haven't already, please don't forget to subscribe to the Reader Copy Podcast. Um, We have 
the recap show every Monday. We're still doing What If. Uh, if you didn't catch this past one, we did the zombie episode. Which that was, was a good one. Fun. I loved it. Yeah. Um, and we'll be back next week for the next What If episode. I don't know what that's going to be yet. We never know what's the next one, huh? Yeah. I'm going to keep guessing it's the Killmonger one until it is. So, so you're right. right. Yeah. Even when it's past. Yeah. I think it's going to be the Killmonger one. Oh, we'll see. <laughs> we'll see. <laughs> Alright, uh, till then, Daniel, do you want to hear more of the outro? If you like what we have to say about the book, pick it up and read your copy. Bye, guys. Yeah. Error. Error.